Blog Talk Radio. Monique, welcome to the 
Superior Power in Black America Boy, show. Welcome back. Welcome back. I agree. Welcome back. We haven't been on the show for a couple of weeks. We have experienced uh, a tragedy in our production family. Uh, our producer, the founder of the uh, production company, uh, is no Wait, longer with us. Yeah. And it has uh, made all of our hearts very heavy. And so after several weeks of recovering and uh, trying to give honor to Queen Mother, uh, we have been off the air. But we are back. Thank God for that. Uh, Queen Mother for real lives on. You know what? Uh, we still haven't recovered. I know I still haven't. I still hear her voice in my head. You know, I, I, but you know what? Uh, I know that she is among our ancestors right now. And like you said, it, it goes on because that's, what, that's exactly what Ia wants. That is what she would have wanted. So I do want to remind everyone that uh, we invite everyone to call in and be a part of the conversation. You are welcome to call in on the number of 347-989-0180. Again, be our guest and call 347-989-0180. And uh, we have an honorable mention here. We want to thank Imani of the Queen Mother for Real production staff, who is actually the daughter of Queen Mother, uh, for allowing us to have this show once again. We are honored to be working with Imani, and we are very excited at the opportunities that we see in our future together. Imani and Ken Jones, uh, Imani and Ken, Kenny Jones, Kenneth Jones are a part of this organization, and they are the backbone. That's, they're the ones that are keeping this spirit moving, and we, have, we are so indebted to the two of them because, again, it's so important that we continue to thrive and uh, impress upon everybody's mind and everybody's heart what Queen Mother for Real was trying to establish. Oh, we have a caller. All right, go ahead, caller. If you're joining the call right now, come on in. Hello. We Hello, can't hear I'm you. Not well, I'm is, is there a caller on the line? I think that is Ken Jones. I'm not sure if it is or not. We can't hear Ken. But I do want to continue. Wait, wait. Are you there, caller? Okay. All right, so we want to continue. Uh, because we haven't been on the air, I do want to... Uh, just remind people that this show started off by uh, by the creation of a book called The Superior Power in Black America. Now, what that book talks about is what is our superior power, where it turns out to be our spending power. So uh, statistically, and this is not information that I have created, this is any anyone can look this information up. We spend... We outspend every other group in America. And so because we outspend every other group in America, it gives us a superior power over spending groups. Our net spending turns out to be about $1.1 trillion a year. So my problem with that is because we spend that amount and we are only 13% of the country, of the population in America, it is a tremendous spending power. And so I think that uh, if black America generates that type of revenue, black America should be benefiting from that revenue. So the superior power in black America have moved into a movement. It is not just a book. 
In any case, Monique, tell us where we can find the book. Well, The Superior Power of Black America is written by you, Daryl D. This book developed three points, self-help and self-sufficiency and self-love by understanding your roots and productivity and spending, controlling your wealth. You can find this book online at lulu.com, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Google Books, where you can read about 58 pages for free. That's 58 pages I'm not comfortable with, but he is. Well, yeah, because the information can get out. <laughs> All right. Well, it's important to get your copy today. This book has also developed into a movement, like you said, called T-SPEBA. Now, T-SPEBA, go ahead. Now, T-SPEBA is an acronym for the superior power in Black America, T-SPEBA, where black people can join and build wealth. So we want you to visit our website at www.tspeba.com. Now, you can join Mr. D. Freeman. Um, you can blog with him. Uh, you can uh, join him on Twitter, as Landau Smooth. Blog with him at Life with Landau. And you can also meet up with us on Facebook. All you have to do is search the superior power in black America. The Superior Power in Black America Facebook is dedicated to putting out pertinent information about what's best for the black community. Know your rights, understanding what happened in our past, who we are today, how we can move ourselves forward as a nation in this country. Oh, well, you know what? That's what brings me to the point that um, I want to talk to you about today, Dee. Okay. Um, you know, I was of course, in the lunchroom by the water cooler today. And, uh, of course, you know, we have our, our our differences now. As you all know, we live in a very diverse community out here in Austin, Texas, and we get a lot of opinions. And so one of them today was from a guy that I work with that happened to say that he did not feel that um, – there, there's a situation here where a young man was killed by a police officer, and uh, he said that he did not feel that um, it was okay for the officer to have shot him. And on the other side of the table, um, the individuals on the other side of the table, they were Hispanic and of other nationalities, and they said that they felt that uh, it was it was warranted. Well, this this is where it gets a little tricky. Both the police officer and the young man were of African-American descent. Now, I've gotten a little back, little bit of background on this situation, and the background that I've gotten is that uh, this young man even has a handle on Twitter uh, that, that is, uh, I would say, what do you say, Daryl, conducive to the type of behavior that he uh, displayed upon on the night that he was uh, killed by the Austin Police Department. Uh, so I kind of feel that, you know, to me, again, I'm on the Black Lives Matter kick myself where I feel like it wasn't warranted uh, for him to be killed by the police officer. And what really got me was a young man was uh, was, was naked. He was naked and running toward the officer and the officer shot him. Um, but that, that was a big conversation. So we started talking about other, other cities. Uh, we started talking about other uh places that are experiencing a lot of um, police officers killing uh, unarmed black men. men. And, uh, well, this one, they're going to reinstate this guy. uh, They acquitted the officer. They acquitted him of the crime. 
Um, but you know what, Dale? Let me just tell you. I, I'm kind of out of catch 22 with this because the guy did have a reputation. He did have a reputation. The young young guy had a reputation of being kind of off the wall. Um, the officer had been commended. He was a very good officer. Um, and, and, and the black community is not standing behind the guy. Of course, it's standing behind the kid. But, you know, they said that he had, they said that the officer on one hand did not have time to uh, really think about what he was doing because things were happening so fast. Then on the other hand, they were saying that about the young man. But what I don't understand, me because we know shootings and any type of violence can happen very quickly. Mm-hmm. But what I want to ask you about that is, what do you think? I mean, in a in a situation like this where, and, and I know race really is, is, you know, not the point in this one, but what do you think about this African-American guy, police officer being the one that shot this, this African-American young man? And how the community, there's no side of our community that's standing up behind this guy. I know good and doggone well in, in a lot of cases, and I'm, again, I'm I'm for our people. But well, there are a lot of cases where, you know, I can tell you what I black think. officers arrested. You know what I mean? I can tell you what I think. I, I believe that they that this in this case, um, I believe that in this case there had to be a sense of consistency. Okay. So, and, and what that means to me is, so many white officers have already committed um, the unspeakable act of killing an unarmed black man. Well, the first black officer that also makes the same mistake should not be the one that is crucified and prosecuted. I think that uh, for the sake of consistency in this particular case, uh, it, it was right for the officer to be acquitted because, um, you know, the police department should stand behind the officers. That is what has been the case. And that is what should be the case in this case. Well, this young man's name is David Joseph. Uh, and uh, he, he's, David Joseph had a Twitter handle that most people talk about. Uh, the jury declined to charge the police officer who shot, uh, shot him at the time. He was unnamed. Uh, first they fired him, but now they, they've, you know, let him back on the force. Well, they're trying to reinstate they re- they are Yeah, reinstate they're trying to reinstate yeah. him. All these uh, the officer's last name is Freeman, by the way. I uh-huh. understand. <laughs> yeah. But I still don't feel like he should be the scapegoat. I think that if the, the laws change where uh, police officers are now being held accountable for their actions, it should not start well, with the action of – wait, let me finish. Okay. It shouldn't start with the action of a black officer killing a black uh, young man. Now, in this, but, ca- in but in this case, case, they said the residents had called the police, and they said that he was, uh, David Joseph was running around erratically. I mean, he didn't have any clothes on. I told you that, right? I mean, well, you don't know what's, what's going on. Well, they got video on the dash cam. I, I understand, but yeah. if he's running around crazy, you know, you don't know what's going on with him. You don't know what type of problem he has. He could have but then HIV put- or something, and if you try to tackle him, he could... You know, give you the virus. Right, exactly. and the it's question, just a lot of things. And the question was, how much of a threat could this boy pose to the officer under these circumstances? A lot. A you lot. know, his mother wants to know why it happened. I would want to know why it happened. I mean, okay, so he's running around naked. Has he got an issue? Did he snap? You know, what is it that made him, you well, know, do this? And and why what why would he why would he be a threat to the officer? Okay, so on the one hand, by him being unarmed and running around. 
that would make the threat lessened. And so the way that the officer should have tried to subdue this guy is he could have tased him. He could have, you know, uh, did many other things. He could have yeah, shot him in the leg. He didn't have a weapon. He didn't have to kill him. Yeah, he didn't have a weapon. Know? So it, it was in the morning. It was in the morning. That would be my issue, that you're not using the right force for the situation. So uh, training didn't kick in. You know, a consciousness did not kick in. You know, morale did not kick no, in. No, and see, the thing about it is that, that this is the part right here. This guy, this officer was, you know, like highly decorated. Right. I mean, he, was, he was really, you know, just like they're, they're one of their aces. Yeah. This happened at 9.57 in the morning. But when I mean, adrenaline is kicking and you don't know what's happening and, and, and people are running around crazy, you don't know now how see, you will react. And, and I'm looking at a picture of him right now. This, this is this young man. Now, it, said, it said that, that, that you know, they, they, they couldn't say, the, the uh, police department couldn't say if the officer attempted to use a stun gun or any non-lethal force. Right. That, that, that would be my position. Why didn't you use non-lethal force instead of some deadly force when this guy was uh, uh, unarmed and not deadly? Okay, so that would be my, my argument. But on the other side of that argument, don't make this one incident the scapegoat for the country's mistakes that they have been perpetrating for years. Mm-hmm. Well, what he was supposed to do, the officer was supposed to de-escalate the situation. Uh, the officer was supposed to de-escalate the situation. Now, I'll tell you, I'll tell you. Sorry, guys, I'm sorry. Well, uh, were you sneezing? <laughs> yeah. I was like, what happened? <laughs> well, I apologize. So yeah, the officer was supposed to de-escalate the situation, but he, but he didn't, you know. This guy, you know, according to uh, what the NAACP president, uh, Nelson Linder, said, he said, you know, the bottom line is a young man is dead. He uh, Right. Is that someone there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, poor tactics and his training again did not kick in. Right, it, it didn't. That would be my question. But you know what, Nancy? Now that's an Austin, and and this happens every day in other cities. Okay, this happens every. Oh, thank you. This happens every day in New York. This happens every day in Chicago, and of course, they don't get this kind of, you know, this kind of media attention because it happens so much and in so, so many different cases. So frequently in those areas. So frequently, and so we're we're looking at it more because hey, you it's know, big news. it's big Here news to us. You know, but what we have to look at, too, which is why we have the betterment of self-movement, what we have to look at is, hey, it's happening. It's happening well, everywhere, and everybody knows it's happening everywhere. You know, our niece just left, guys. Uh, she visited with us from Chicago, came for seven days, and um, we this talked. This is my oldest brother, brother's daughter, my brother who passed away. His, his daughter needed to get a sense of, I, I think, needed to get a sense of her dad, so she came to be with her dad's brother. And let me tell you, when she first saw me, when she got off that plane and we saw each other at the airport, she broke down in tears and just grabbed me and held me so tight as if it was, as if I was uh, uh, some uh, 
you know, symptoms of her, of her father. Dad, yeah. And, man, it was a wonderful visit, seven days here in Texas. She comes from Chicago. Outstanding visit. And she says to me, she says, Auntie, you know what? She told me this today. She says, I don't know, you know, I don't know what everybody is, what everybody else is on. They on some crap. But see, Chicago ain't right right now, and I got to get out of here. She said, you know, they it's getting ridiculous. We all come from pretty much the same neighborhood, but we've all moved out um, there into the suburbs. And even out there, it's filling out there where, in an area where it was really, really quiet, they have, and they're starting to have drive-by shootings and things like that. And so she's telling me, no, you know what, Auntie, I've got to go. i got to go. i got to get out of here. So, you know? so, honey, what you're talking about is one of our other topics yeah. where we took some research, and we researched the, uh, uh, the deadliest violent uh, cities in America. turns out to be about 10 of them. Uh, Chicago was number one. <clears throat> some of these, you wouldn't even think, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, number two. Uh, Buffalo, New York, number three, Hattiesburg, uh, Mississippi, number four, Indiana, Birmingham, Alabama, Desert Hot Springs, California, Compton, Mount, uh, North, Mount uh, Rocky, Mount North Carolina, Pine Bluff, Arizona. These are, these are all of the deadliest, most violent cities in America. And when we talk about deadly and violent, we're talking about gang deadly and uh, unarmed black men being killed, be it by police officers or other gang members <clears throat> or drugs or, or whatever reason, it is violent and deadly. And so we live in a system where life is not being valued. I think that is the main reason why police officers don't think twice when they're taking a life. Other young black men, black on black crime, we don't think twice about hurting one of our, one of our brothers or sisters. And so that is the society, that's the culture that we live in. What has to change, Monique? Well, the first thing we have to do is change the minds of the individuals the minds. that are committing these crimes. Change the mindset. Give them something to do. I will tell you this. My husband and I are we, we're not chumps to society. We have been uh, working in our fields for several years. My husband over 25 years, me over 20 years. And... Um, we we both very well educated, you know. We come from the he comes from the inner city. I come from the suburbs of the shy, Chicago. But we 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 had our businesses and we stayed busy. But although we stay busy, there was a, still a lot of downtime in between. Uh, we moved here to Texas well, and downtime. Downtime. Re- reflect on that. So well, in yeah. our downtime, what did we do? We went and enjoyed Right, we enjoyed restaurants. We went to we, restaurants. We, we you know, we worked out. We worked out. We enjoyed yeah. going on mental trips in the pool at the health club. Me and my baby, we're swimming together and we're imagining that we're in Hawaii. No, these are the type of those um, were the things that we did, yeah. Mental states that all of us should be in if we are not happy with our state. We need to move into an area that will make us happy. I have to tell you, I want to tell you something, Monique. <clears throat> Everything you're talking about is absolutely true, but that's what our second book is about. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'll tell you this. 
you know, if your mind is occupied, if your mind is occupied, if you're productive, if you're doing things that are going to benefit you and the people around you, you don't have time to think about those things that are negative. You don't have time to think about those things that are negative. All you have time to think about is what it is that you're trying to do, what your goals and what your focuses are, or what your focus is. Uh, one of the main things that, that I like to get across right now uh, with regard to occupy, occupying your time is become educated. Become educated. Get in school. Do what you have to do to get your mind right as far as educating yourself. There is nothing like having an education. We have a daughter right now that is graduating as an occupational therapist on Saturday. All right. All right. Congratulations. You know, know, we we, we have a son that's uh, finishing his studies to become a doctor. That's right. You know, occupy your mind. We have a 10-year-old that is a student council uh, member and very, very active in school. And learning how to be a leader. And an honor student. But we tell her every day when she leaves the car and when we drop her off is. You're number one. You are not a follower. You are a leader. Don't be running behind these other kids doing what they do. You lead the way. And if they're not going in the right direction, you go in the right direction yourself. Forget about them because you are a leader and not a follower. Now that takes us to the next topic, even though they're in no way related. Okay, so we're on Internet radio. So bear with me, producer. We're we're switching gears, I guess. We're switching gears, producer. (laughs) But I have told my husband time and time and time again, he is on this new quest to study hysterectomy in the African-American community. And I got some really good information for everybody. he is on this quest. And when I tell you, please forgive me, but when I tell you, I have to tell him constantly, can you stay out of our uterus? He will not do it. This man is researching what it's going to take to keep black women from becoming Statistics, and when I say statistics, I mean he's studying what it's going to take for us to be educated and realize that we don't need hysterectomies. And so he has discovered this article called the Mississippi Appendectomy. Would you care to tell us more about that one? Okay. <clears throat> All right. So I am passionate about hysterectomies. My first wife had a hysterectomy, and it was brutal. She was butchered. And it took her a full two months to recover. She couldn't walk. I had to take her to the bathroom. It was just just a, a terrible scene. Well, the white doctors that uh, performed that, they went on home, and they didn't have those problems. They didn't, they didn't have to take care of that, that, that woman that they butchered. <clears throat> and so I didn't like that. But then when I found out, when I started looking up hysterectomies, because my question was, so what are we doing to prevent that? And, and I wanted to know because now I have, I'm in a second marriage. And my second marriage is uh, my, 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 my lady may be having some female problems. And 
Guess what the doctor, what was the first thing this doctor said to my wife? Well, you need to get a hysterectomy. Now, that angered me because, for me, I need tests. I need to know what other alternatives there are. What can we do outside of this um, this this castration? Well, you're, you know you're what? You're butchering my wife. The thing and about you need it is, tell me why. We, we already knew what it was because we had already done it. Well, and, there, and was, it, there are alternatives be, right, that they didn't want to tell us again, about. And there were different things. They don't even perform <laughs> those type of surgeries in in most places here. But they're not they're 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 not invasive. Now, there's there's two sides to that. Republicans in this country is making is making Republicans making, in this country are making abortions a crime. They are shutting down clinics that give women prenatal care and all of these other things that come along with being pregnant. But they will go and they at will the take same it. time they are now they are they are making uh, they are making uh, <clears throat> abortions a crime. For white women, but they are making it very easy for what for black women and only black women to become sterile. So on one hand, you can't even get an abortion because of this population thing. On the other hand, this other society is being castrated. So that is the disparity. Now, when I ask this doctor. I said, so what are you guys doing to prevent uh, giving all of our black women hysterectomy? He looked at me like the cat who ate the canary because I didn't just ask him that. I had done some research. I had found out that it was 70%, now get this, 70% African-American women in this country already have hysterectomies. That means... 70% 70% of black women cannot re- cannot procreate. Now, I will tell you this. I, I, and I, and I, it, this is, this is, um, well, I was actually 49 most recently when they suggested this. Uh, they had suggested it prior, and I was 37. When I went to VA, because I'm a veteran, I went to VA, and uh, they said, you don't have to have a hysterectomy. You can have a uterine fibroid embolization. It's not invasive. You have it in one day. You might have an overnight uh, stay in the hospital for one night, and uh, we'll monitor you. It takes two weeks to get past it. You'll recover. So I did it. What it does does is it it cuts off the blood supply to the fibroids and kills them, and they slough off. It doesn't destroy the uterus. It doesn't destroy the uterus, just, but but you can't have children well, after it, right? It thins the walls. Right, it thins it the walls, making it blood supply. Well, but right, you and it still makes get it. Pregnant. Well, you could, but it wouldn't be a good thing. It wouldn't be a good pregnancy, yeah. but you could still get pregnant. But the key is, you're not walking around with a fibroid in your stomach, in your uterus. Now, I will tell you this: um, when my husband decided that he was going to do this, and decided that he was going to research. I also looked at the divorce rate among African American women who have had hysterectomy. And what was that? I don't because I didn't get that. Now, see, the thing about it is, you got to be clever when you do this. 
Because, like right now, I'm going to show you when you Google it. Okay. So, so what we're talking about is we're talking about population control. Now, in the article, the Mississippi appendectomy, they make that plain. They spell it out plain that in this country there was a campaign driven by the, by the feds and our government to pay for hysterectomies given to poor black women specifically. But it says, it says nearly one in five women who have a hysterectomy may not even need it. And, and that's in the hospital. Now, understand what they're saying, what we're saying. Now, and in the article, it goes on to say that many of the women that were given hysterectomies were given hysterectomies without a requirement. It didn't, they didn't require hysterectomies. They could have had some other, some other uh, performance. In fact, bleeding doesn't, mostly doesn't come from hysterectomies. No, not hysterectomies. You mean fibroids. I mean from fibroids. Mm-hmm. But you know what? This is where I found out. What I ended up doing is, is kind of taking a poll. I took a short poll because I Googled this is the rate of women, rate of African-American women that have divorced after a hysterectomy. Nothing. You, you don't see anything. It doesn't reference it. I have to tell you, you know, I'm, I'm very social. I have quite a few friends and quite a, quite a few acquaintances over the years. And I have to tell you that out of maybe... 17 people that I know, at least 13 of them are divorced. And let me tell you why. Do they have hysterectomy? They have had hysterectomy. They, they have explained. They have explained. Yes, and it, it has come afterwards, and they have explained it because of weight gain. They have explained it because of mood change. They have explained it because their husband did not feel that the woman was the same sexually. They have explained these things. Um which a lot of it is myth because what from what I understand, if you do have a hysterectomy, um, it, it's nothing really changes. I mean, unless they 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 remove the cervix, but that's a whole other thing because I'm not a doctor and I'm not going to go into that. But what I will say is, you know, we are already. You're also we, not a man, right? So but but we are but we are already we we are already as black women, pretty much on the other side of the fence, thrown up under the dirt in the rug for all types of other stuff. We have children that are dying, babies that are born with autism. Wait a minute, hold on. We, we're women that have to have hysterectomy. Uh, you got to look at the fact that we are we are pretty much tops in, in uh, breast cancer and cervical cancer in, in, the, in America. So we got a lot on us. But to have the men not stand behind us, that's a whole other thing. And, yes, it's good. That's why I'm glad I have you because you will stand up, research, talk to. And when I tell you he will go in there and talk to these men, and these are not black men because I have not been able to find a black gynecologist anywhere in Austin yet, he goes in and he talks to them, and I promise you they look at him like, where did you come from and why are you in my office? He comes to every appointment with me. If they're touching me, he's looking at it. And I'm and I'm angry. <laughs> Because what you're telling my wife is that there is no other choice. We have to castrate you. That's, uh, so I'm angry about that. So I'm asking them pertinent questions. And, and my requirement for any doctor who wants to put a blade to my wife, first you tell me what the, how to, uh, first you tell me what the prevention is, what you're doing to prevent my niece, my 10-year-old niece, 
from having to have the same operation. Other than that, if you cannot do that, if there is no no if there is no process in place for prevention, then when my wife gets her hysterectomy, I may as well take my granddaughter, who is uh, 15 years old, now and, age, and let her get her hysterectomy now the age as well. Range, the age because, range, wait, let me finish. Okay. Because if there is no prevention, then she will cross that bridge. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. If there's no medication or nothing to help us with that, then we're already anticipating her having a hysterectomy. So why wait? Why wait? Why don't we just get these little girls at 12 years old and, and just castrate them right away, and then uh, they will, we won't have to worry about the population boom or anything else that uh, conservatives or Republicans or whoever write these laws <clears throat> you know. and pay for these hysterectomies through our government. If they're not preventing it, then they're preparing for a greater number of black women having hysterectomies. Now, that is a foreseeable future. Now, you know what? We, 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 got, we got an awesome, awesome producer, and she, she wants to know the numbers. And uh, I'm looking at the percentage numbers here, um, and they're saying 70% of the cases uh, were thought to be recommended uh, before only 60 years of age, and now they're starting at 38 years of age. Well, that that's not yeah. that ain't what happened to one of our friends. How was uh, our friend? Which one? Me. Oh, whoa, she's she's thirty five. Thirty five years old, no children. Mhm. Okay. Now, in the past, they had a they had a they had a floor. They would say, if you had three children, then uh, it's you could reasonably say if you're having these problems, uh, female problems, that we may be able to. Give you now, a listen to this. It, it says that 60% of hysterectomies were recommended due to fibroids, benign tumors, because as you know, fibroids, fibroids are, not, are not, they're not malignant. Okay? They're not cancerous. Uh, they commonly occur in middle-aged women. 11% due to pelvic relaxation, 9% due to pain, and 8% due to bleeding. Okay? Now, bleeding um, comes from cysts and other things, not necessarily the fibroids. But you know what, and I, I will tell you this, I'm, I'm not deceived. I'm a health freak, okay? Mm-hmm. So upon all of this, I began to research on my own as usual because, you know, I've struggled with my weight gain and things like that. I've, I've struggled with some things, and, and I'm going to tell you, I, I'm not going to sit here and promote nobody else, but you know what, I will. <laughs> I'll tell you this. I have learned to eat healthy. I have learned to do castor oil packs, and castor oil packs are really good for shrinking fibroids. Um, I have learned the supplements, the many supplements that we need to use on a daily basis to keep us from from uh, getting those dangerous and damaging cancer cells. So I, I've been doing that. I, you know, I don't need the the things that they're advertising online. I go directly to the source. Uh, I'll get a a compound pharmacist uh, that will give me what I need as far as my hormones. I will not take uh, hormone replacement therapy. It's not good for us. It kills us. You know, we are women of nature as black women. We are women of nature. Everything that we've ever done uh, is natural. That's why we're queens. We can't, we can't wear fake jewelry. We can't do anything that's not good for our bodies. We can't do that. You know, we, we, can't, we can't use anything that's artificial in our bodies because we are queens, and it's, it's the truth. So what I've had to do is figure out a way to start trying to heal myself. Now, I'm no fool. 
I am an educated woman, and I know that when it gets bad, I know what to do. But I will tell you, uh, oh, wait, I got a note from someone. It says, from the National Institute of Health, one study found that by age 50, 70% of whites and 80% of African-American women had fibroids. In many cases, fibroids are believed not to cause symptoms, and in such cases, women may be unaware that they have them. And that is so true. So what that means is hysterectomies are unnecessary. Yes. In the massive yes. numbers that they were performed in. Yes. Here's, here's a, here's, in the article that I pulled, <clears throat> Mississippi Appendectomy, it was a doctor who said, uh, it's my money that you're using to have children. I'm supporting your children. So if you don't get a hysterectomy after this birth, I'm not going to deliver your child. Now, this happened in yeah, Mississippi. I saw this. I okay. But you know what? You it is a true not, not all places are like that. You, but I've got I to tell you, Daryl. You don't yeah. understand. Mm-hmm. Up north. Now, that was happening in the south, all yeah. across the south. Exactly. It was, it was so common yeah. that they, it, it became known as the Mississippi appendectomy. But guess what? Up in the north, they were doing it as practice. What, what year was that? Do you remember? Uh, yeah, the 50s and the 60s and the 70s, yeah. I'm looking at it now. It's still okay. happening is what I'm saying. Because today, when you go to the doctor, the first thing that this guy wants to tell you is, oh, yeah, you're bleeding, right? Oh, yeah, you're in pain, right? Oh, yeah, you hurt, right? Well, we can make it better. All we need to do is take out okay, your so uterus. Okay, so it says in, in, in an article, it states that this is a persistent objective of an American social policy which is to monitor and restrain the tendency of black motherhood. And it, and it came out in 1997. That was the report that came out that in 1997. That was 1997. the report Because it continued. And I, I will tell you that it is under uh, in, in Mississippi appendectomy. That is correct. Yeah. It uh, is a true story. Now, if you scroll down and read the article that I posted. It's 1960s and 1970s. I'm you will find yeah. that doctors were performing these unnecessarily and getting paid by the government. Okay, so on one hand, you're making uh, abortions uh, against the law, while on the other hand, you're hurting black women. You're against the law for white women. Hurting black women into the doctor's office for hysterectomy, for castration. In 1973, the case of two young black girls in Alabama brought increased public awareness to this issue of sterilization Abuse against black women in the South. Okay? It says the uh, Ralph sisters, ages 12 and 14, 12 and 14. Two young have been black declared women. mentally incompetent by an, an Alabama physician. Mentally incompetent to make the decision. Sterilize them using federal funds to pay for the procedure. Right. This mother, who could not read or write, was deceived into signing her ex on the consent form. So understand what and this is saying. Versus Weinberg. It's a, it's a case. It's a civil action. Number 1557, District Court, Washington, D.C., March 15, 1974. Now, understand what that yes. says. It says that this doctor deemed these two girls incompetent of making the decision yeah. to have a hysterectomy because they were under age and they could not make that decision. Mm-hmm. That is the law. And so he found a workaround. He went to the illiterate mom and had her sign for her daughters to have this this castration. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now he knew full well what he was doing. And then, by the same token of saying, 
I am, uh, you, I'm paying for your oh, wait. children. Wait, let me finish. Okay. I'm paying for your children, so you need to have a hysterectomy so you don't have birth anymore because you can't take care of your kids. Uh, on one hand, they're saying that. On the other hand, they're raping the government by performing these operations and getting paid for it. Mm-hmm. So they're the ones, and this is how this is how crazy. Here it is, but it's, it's, that's what it says. That's what you're saying. Exactly. It says public awareness was also generated around the case of a South Carolina physician who publicly defended his policy on welfare mothers. He told the local press that it was his policy to require sterilization mm-hmm. after delivery of a mother's third baby mm-hmm. in order to reduce the state welfare roll. Dr. Clovis H. Pierce was the only obstetrician in rural Aiken County, South Carolina, who accepted Medicaid patients. When, Mar- when Marietta, a 20-year-old black woman on welfare, was pregnant with her third child, Dr. Pierce refused to deliver the baby unless she signed a consent form for sterilization. Dr. Pierce told another patient, Dorothy Waters, listen here, young lady, this is my tax money paying this is this this is my tax money. This is uh, paying this paying for this, and I am tired of paying for illegitimate babies. If you don't want this sterilization, find another doctor. That's to, Robert to deliver your baby. To okay. So he forced this woman. This butcher sterilized 28 black women in a three-month period. That's the 1997. Now, 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 let me say this. Let me say this. Mm-hmm. So, this is historical fact. Wait, but he was paying $60,000 of a taxpayer money. This is what I'm trying to say. Aiken County Hospital fees bill to Medicare funds. Okay. Medicaid fund. So on, the, on one hand, he's saying, I don't want to pay for it no more. I don't want to pay for your child. On the other hand, he's raping the government by performing these unjust uh, acts. Now, understand this. Um, <clears throat> I forgot my thought. Keep well, I, I'll tell you this. And this is what it, what it goes back to with me. Now, with, with us, we're not welfare, you know, Medicaid women. I have nothing against my sisters that are receiving assistance. I know but what I was going to say. I will, I will say this. When you are approached with something that detrimental, find an African-American female that knows your body like she knows her own. Okay. And have her to examine you and get her opinion. If you don't like what she says, you can keep getting opinions. And cross them. And cross, cross them. them. Cross and the information. Cross-reference that information. Understand this, though. It is, your life, it is your life, and you have the time to do it. It is your life, and it's your time. I, I and you if you spend your life and your time doing it, and you're no longer here, you're not suffering from chemotherapy. You're, you're not suffering from the effects, I'm sorry, of chemotherapy and radiation. You're not suffering from what you would be suffering from if you were laying on a table doing nothing about it. Do something. Say something. See something. Make sure that you get the word out. Let's take care of our bodies, ladies. Let's, ladies, let's exercise. Let's make sure that we eat right. Let's make sure that we keep our weight down. We're healthy, wonderful-looking, curvy black women. We we are why be castrated? Because some because some doctor is trying to do a population control. But this is what I want to say, and I want to I don't want to break up break my my wife off. But understand this: all of this information is statistical proof. There must there should be some type of restitution for all of these unwarranted hysterectomies. 
there should be a penalty for our government to pay to black women for them having to be Maybe castrated. Have, they, you know what? They haven't even paid reparations. They are not going to pay Yeah, them. but guess what? This is this is <laughs> happening today. Yeah, but guess They're what? They're trying to turn you into an operating room but you to know castrate what? That's when you become educated and you understand that, that that does not have to be the option. There are different ways to go about it. Now, if there is something that can't be done about it, and I'm not saying that I mean, if it's life-threatening, of course you're going to do know, that. If you have a life-threatening condition where you must get things removed and you've got to get this done or you won't be here, then do it. But not unnecessary. But not unnecessary. And not for population and we control. And we can't advise you, not by any means, but just take care of yourself. Exercise. One thing that I've noticed in every situation that I've been in where my health is concerned and I've dealt with a lot, trust me when I tell you, is Diet and exercise, believe it or Number not. Number one, That's exercise. what it all comes down to is diet right. and exercise. Eat Diabetes, right. cancer, yes. Uh, yes. heart disease, mm-hmm. uh, artery clogging, yes. all of these things come from diet. And guess what? People that are, are educated or people that, okay, so here we go. If you live in an impoverished neighborhood, you are going to have to buy the worst foods. If you're on food stamps. You're gonna to have to Not live. All the time. You're gonna have Not to all live the time. if if that's what your main. I've gotten food stamps before, and I gotta be honest with you, I did not eat that. If, if that was your main source of income, then you are gonna stretch that money that you get, that little bit of money that you get. So you're gonna buy hardening cholesterol butter. You know, you're gonna buy white cheap white bread. Before, before you're gonna buy before white we get off that sugar. point, before we get off that point, don't buy it. When I say don't buy it, I'm not talking about the food that you buy, but don't buy the hype. You know, there was a meat market where we used to live, and everybody went to this meat market to get their survival pack, get their pork chops, get their chicken, get all that stuff, and they, you know, got $20 for a big pack, $25 for a big pack of food. Big pack of meat. But you know what was on it? It was flies. One thing that people don't understand is when a fly lands on your food, when it lights on your food, it's regurgitating. That's right. Okay. It vomits it, yes. to soften the food so it can be digested by the flock. It doesn't just doo-doo on your food. It vomits on your food in order to ingest it. And so that happens immediately. You are extremely I am graphic <laughs> because it is true. So, so just understand what you're buying. When you go to these markets, be careful. You know what? Get, if you got to get a small amount, get quality food. If you gotta get organic food, you can grow it yourself. That's the whole you can, point. You can get, you can grab a bag of potting soil, and I saw Monique and I had a had garden. a garden that we that we nurtured and we grew tomatoes and cucumbers and onions and cabbage and uh, what else did we, we grow? Have beef. Man, and Why? and and look, the best yeah. food that you can get is the one that don't have the pesticides size on it, that don't have the cancer agents in it, because you don't need it now. They have a, uh, they have a natural defense. Now, there's some of us that don't have the capability to, 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 to plant a garden, but I found something out this weekend, and I'm going to do it myself. It's pretty thrifty. Get a bag of potting soil, okay? Get you some seeds. What you do is you cut out the top of that bag in a square mm-hmm. as if there's like a little hole in the bag. Mm-hmm. The top Leave of the, the bag. dirt in the bag. Leave the dirt in the bag, put the seeds in it, and water it. You will be amazed 
lettuce, different things like that grow out of that bag, mm-hmm. and you're able to do it, and you put it on top of crates. You can do it in your and, home? And no, but no, no, you have to put it in your backyard, but you put it on top of crates if you don't want, like we have clay mm-hmm. soil out here. So this is something that you could do. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we we only got 10 more minutes. Okay, we only got 10 more minutes, but there are so many ways that, that you can go into uh, growing your own food. You know, get some vitamins, get some supplements, research. You don't have to go to GNC where, well, I can't say that, but you're going to go and get go and get information, research information, find out what you can do to be healthy, drink a lot of water, take care of yourself, and understand Understand that you know what it's not always you can't always take the word of other people. We've got to pay attention. And, and there's no holy well, grail. It's not. There's no holy grail. It's, you it's what you call common sense. None of us is gonna live forever, but it's the quality of life that you have while you're here that you want to protect. In our last few minutes of this radio show today, I really just want to reach back and thank Queen Mother for real. Uh, Ia. Our Falola, or Miss Dawson, and also Miss Dawson's daughter, Imani. Imani, she is picking up the weight, picking up the stress, and we just you know what. Really and the thing about her. Imani is, you know, she's keeping us on our toes. She, I have to tell you, she, so she is she is communicating me throughout this with me throughout this process with us throughout this process. And when I tell you, she is keeping us on our toes. We are not putting anything on the air. Without her getting down to the nitty-gritty and, and getting to the bones, the bare bones of the facts. So we're not putting anything out here that's not factual, that we're not finding. And we, we have to tell you again, we really appreciate you, and we're very happy to continue to be a part of the pre, of the Queen Mother for Real uh, legacy. And we also want to reiterate for all of our listeners, this show is called The Superior Power in Black America. It is our spending power that we need to be controlling and benefiting And now we're going to talk about that next week. At this, every week we're going to have two topics, and one of them is always going to be about the superior power in black America. And we're going to tie it into another topic. Always. Uh, the point here is if we don't control our finances, someone else is controlling them for us, and that means that our money is buying somebody else's a new Cadillac it is buying somebody else that mansion. It is putting roads in somebody else's neighborhood, new stores in somebody else's neighborhood, and it is not benefiting the people who generate that kind of money, and that is us. Let me ask you a question. Keep this in mind. Out of 300 years of black people being in America, why are we only 13% of the population? It's called population control. Don't be deceived. That's right. Um you know what? It is almost that time. I'd like to say one thing. Oshay Maia. Oshay Maia. Oshay. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, so don't forget, get your book, The Superior Power in Black America. It is now available at lulu.com. That's L-U-L-U.com. And hit us up on Facebook at The Superior Power in Black America. It is written. By Daryl D. Daryl D. That, that, is that would be you? That is me. <laughs> and not only that, but this book has turned into a movement. So you have to go onto our website at T-S-P-I-B-A. The Superior Power in Black America. Dot com. 
And that will take you to a registration page where we need to sign 10 million African-American people to generate and create the fastest growing organization in the country. And for those of you that are members already, you all will be uh, receiving correspondence from us. We are drafting a letter thanking everybody for their membership, updating everybody on what the membership is, and realigning the, our mission and our purpose for even creating this organization. We are the fastest-growing organization right now that's dedicated to the betterment of the black community. We are the only organization dedicated to the... Well, but there are some out there, you know, always duplicated. We are now successfully entering our second quarter of the first year. We're proud to announce that since inception of our movement, we have grown. grown. So we, we want people that are sick and tired and tired of being sick and tired of joining our movement. Well, sick and tired of having a dream somewhere down the road. That's right. While we're spending $1.1 trillion, we're still waiting for somebody to uplift black America. Well, guess what? Black America can uplift black America. It is our own responsibility. It is not the responsibility of the president, even though he's a black man. It's not his responsibility. It is our responsibility. Let me tell you something about this country. Before we go off the air, this country was built on small mom-and-pop businesses. And so what was the black Wall Street made of? The black Small mom-and-pop Black the business. black back, we call it the black back, uh, and I'm going to tell you why we call it the black back, because it's built on the back of blacks, the black back. That's America That's as a whole. what America is built on is the black back. Now, the reality is we're still supporting that because we're not controlling our spending. We're not controlling our economics. We don't have any media. Now, we don't but, have any banks. But you know what, though? We do have some people out there that have a clue. Hey, it's a lot of people out there, but that's what this is about. Organizing, uh, reorganizing, and combining our resources. It is mm-hmm. our own responsibility, not Joe Blow or uh, Mayor okay. Jane Byrne. All right, it's up to she, us. She, she's gone now. Okay, Mayor Byrne. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us. Thank you for being a part of our audience right now. And don't forget thank to get you. your book. Thank you for getting your book at uh, www.lulu.com. Or Barnes and Nobles or uh, Amazon, you can get it all of those places, and you can read up to fifty-eight, 58 pages, pages free if you Google Books. Y'all know I don't like that. Oh, by the way, guys, uh, 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 Goodreads rated this book as five stars. So come on and, and check us out on Goodreads too. Give us a review. If you need to reach us, you know how to do it: teachbeaver.com or on Facebook. We look forward to hearing from you. We look forward to having more conversation with you. This was sort of an impromptu, but we wanted to let y'all know that we're still around. We're back. We're back. We're back. back. The superior power in black America is back. Next week's show, we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about whatever comes to our mind. We haven't created (laughs) it yet, but it's going to be hot. You know what? It's going to be hot. You know what we're going to talk about? We're going to talk about black marriage in the bedroom. All right. That would only be part of it because that's black marriage in the bedroom. 18 years, guys, and I'm still with this man, so he got to be doing something right. Black marriage in the bedroom. Uh, That's right. Well, yeah, honey. uh, Uh Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. (laughs) That's so embarrassing. So we do want to say thank you for all of our listeners for tuning in. And don't forget, uh, next week uh, at the same time, 8 o'clock, 
Central Time, 7 o'clock Eastern Time. No, 8 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock Central. Central Time. He never uh, gets that right. on the air. And we invite everybody. Come on, come on, Imani. Music, music. <laughs> no, don't. we ain't rushing to get oh, off the air. We're not off the air. It's 8 o'clock. Okay. All so, right. Good night, everybody. Have a great night, and thank you again. <laughs> All right. You will not be able to stay home, brother. You will not be able to play.